this other part of me that was dormant was just being fed and awakened and enlivened. And I realized, oh my gosh, like being with the earth and collecting food from the forest and medicine and working with my hands and working with the earth and getting wet in the rain and, and all of these things were actually so life-affirming for me. Welcome to Heart Speak Podcast, conversations and recorded experiences on reclaiming our roots, connecting to our visions, and trusting our heart path. I'm your host, Megan, and I am here to share stories of healing, creativity, revival, and resilience for our time here on earth right now a time in which I feel we are in the midst of a profound cultural transformation. The hearth, as a source of warmth, is traditionally the central community gathering space where storytelling takes place. Our stories are sacred, and the stories we tell ourselves and others have the potential to shape and inform how we show up for this larger story. Thank you for being here and taking the time to listen. Welcome everyone to Heart Speak. This is Megan here, and I'm with Ayana Young today. Ayana Young is a podcast and radio personality specializing in intersectional environmental and social justice, deep ecology, and land-based restoration. With an academic background at the intersections of ecology, culture, and spirituality, Young was studying at Columbia when the Occupy Wall Street movement began, and amid the burgeoning resistance in Zuccotti Park, she co-created the Environmental Working Group. Since then, Ayana has been the force behind a native species nursery and research center, including the establishment of the One Million Redwoods Project, which was acclaimed as the most backed farm project in Kickstarter history. The film When Old Growth Ends, an ode to the complex interweaving of the irreplaceable Tongass National Forest during its last stand as a distinctly wild place in Southeast Alaska and the For the Wild podcast, a weekly show featuring thought leaders at the forefront of environmental, artistic, scientific, political, and cultural shift. And I'm just so excited to have you here today, Ayana. Um, as I mentioned to you before, I have been following your work and listening to your show for many years now. And I know many of my listeners are in tune with you as well. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Well, thank you for having me. And I love hearing that we've been connected for years through the podcast and that we've grown together through that time. And yeah, it's really lovely to be connecting with you now. Yeah, thank you. I know it's many years of growth and change, as I'm sure you can attest to for yourself as well, um, just personally, as well as just how the projects have shifted for your work too. And I would just love to hear about, you know, who you are, you know, beyond your bio, what you would like people to know about you in this moment, anything that's coming to mind that you'd like to share. Mm. Yeah. Hearing the bio, my bio is always so interesting <laughs> and strange. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I'm that person, I guess too. Um, but of course there's so many other facets of, my life, like all of us being multidimensional folks. But yeah, other things that I'd like people to know. Um, I'm 
a lover and protector of the wild and I'm extremely dedicated and committed and I'm still learning and I'm still growing and I am really trying to find ways to be engaged in this movement for life, for resisting colonialism and capitalism. And I'm, I'm in it, you know, I'm in the, the mess of it with everyone else. And there's days that I feel like I'm really onto something and there's moments that I feel in total despair and there's moments that I feel just enormous amounts of gratitude and and at the same time a lot of grief and so um, I feel like I'm really just present with all that is in this moment and I'm extremely grateful to do the work that For the Wild guides me to do and work with an incredible team of folks every week who I get to produce the podcast with and the um, One Million Redwoods project with and fight for the Tongass with and the Copper River Delta. It's just working with community is so revitalizing and relieving and comforting. And so I want to make a shout out to all the folks that I get to sit with and think with and brainstorm with and cry with and get frustrated with. (laughs) And yeah, that's maybe how I'll begin to answer that question. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think having the community and support in these huge endeavors, right, of taking on these very intense and very needed projects in the world and having people that are really right there on your side and wanting to see this just as much as you do. And I'm curious about if there's any people or who or what are really have been a part of this journey for you, people that you look to as mentors or supporters or anyone that's really Mm -hmm. informed this process for you. Gosh, well, every person I've had on the podcast has informed and shaped my work and my life so deeply. And I'll just name a, a few people that come off the top of my mind. Uh, I just interviewed Trisha Hersey of uh, the NAP ministry, and she's been such a influence for me over the past six months, really learning that when we slow down, the earth gets to rest. When we rest, the earth rests. And um, trying to get myself out of grind culture. So she's been hugely inspirational. Joanna Macy has been a mentor from the beginning of Unlearn and Rewild and the work that reconnects and just knowing that we need to find ways of loving each other and supporting each other as times will inevitably get tougher in a lot of ways with climate change and the Anthropocene extinction. There's Dune Lankard who... Oh my gosh, do I love that man. He is native Iyak man from Cordova, Alaska, who has been fighting to protect that place, the Copper River Delta, and all the beings there for years, especially when the Exxon Valdez oil spill happened 30 years ago. He really kicked into gear, and he's an incredible mentor for me in conservation, and he's so loving and such a fighter, so resilient. Um, 
so those are, yeah, I, I could honestly go on for a long list, but those are some folks right now that are really pushing me and challenging me to step into who I feel like I'm meant to be in this life. And, um, and then of course there's not, you know, those are kind of my, who I look up to in terms of my elder mentors, but, um, otherwise I really look to my fur children, (laughs) my, I have three cats, three dogs and a rooster, and they're really guiding lights for me as well. Just getting out of the human centric world for me is really important. And between them and the forest and the plants and the soil and the sky and the clouds right now, they're huge mentors and inspirations for me and really keep me humble to keep me grounded and allow me to rest outside of the intensity of what's happening right now. And in speaking with Trisha, it's so important when we give ourselves that time to dream and to be creative outside of this ridiculous system that we're all in many ways imprisoned by. And so when I get to tap into the more than human world, it puts everything in perspective for me. And I'd say both all of Trisha and Dune and Joanna and a lot of my mentors, they really help put things in that perspective for me and help me get out of my own way and help me shift where my ego is trying to pull me sometimes. So um, yeah, those are a few people. But like I said, I mean, I could take this question and just keep rambling because I feel really guided by so many people who come into my life. Um, And yeah, yeah. So many folks I'm like having to stop myself because I don't want to (laughs) ramble. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing some of those names that I've really grown to look up to as well and just see how influential just rest has become and, and people reclaiming rest and reclaiming this idea of slowing down and connecting to other beings and spending this time in nature. And I mean, have have you seen your work shift you know, over the years as you have come into contact with more folks who are really, you know, this has just become so, um, what's the word? It's everywhere right now, I guess. The, the word, I see rest as being such the central theme. People are really wanting to slow down, really wanting to connect deeper. And how has your work shifted? Well, from the beginning, my work has shifted in some ways a lot and in other ways it hasn't. Like the the value system and the belief system behind the work is still very much the same. I'm completely enraptured by the earth and the temperate rainforest specifically. And, and so my work is still very guided by them and wanting to protect them and knowing that they're under threat by so many resource extraction projects, whether that's mining or logging or dam building or fossil fuel extraction or development. And so I'm still, I want to say just as, but probably more dedicated, the more that I learn and the more that I can tangibly engage with protecting these forests, um, 
the more that I do, you know? And so I, I definitely feel like that part of my work has just grown the love and the capacity has grown. And it's also extremely challenging to really know how to protect a place and how to restore a place and how to build relationships because relationships take so much time and trust building takes time. And, um, but that part has very much stayed with me and even the podcast in a lot of ways it's has, has stayed on the same track. I mean, I'm an extremely curious person and I still am just as interested with each new show as I was from the beginning, my questions maybe have changed slightly because the more that I have been immersed in this kind of work, I know to ask different questions at this point and I don't need 101 type responses anymore because I feel like me and a lot of people collectively I think there's a, many of us that have been in this work for a few years now and so we're kind of looking for what's beyond what we already understand like how can we deepen our understanding and our research and our our knowing of what is happening in the world and so the podcast still feels very similar although I feel like I have just gotten more time to get into nuances like you know gosh there's just so many topics to cover and I love being able to talk about how the prison industrial complex is extremely related to the ecological crisis even though maybe we wouldn't or some of us wouldn't see that right away and just continue to find these intersections so that we can see that all of these things are connected and it's important for us to be supporting each other and for each of us individually to really follow our passions because if we're if our passion is in service of the greater good it's all going to uh serve many many it's like feeding many birds with one hand so um that to me feels like it has it has stayed similar it's just grown in its complexity and it's matured um in the way that i'm able to think things through and and just talk to more people so yeah, that's a good question, but I, I feel I, maybe the biggest shift for me since the beginning is that when I, you know, what was this, like seven, eight years ago, I was really in the unlearning, deprogramming process, and everything was really new and exciting, and it was also really scary, and, you know, at the beginning, I had never lived in the country. I'd only been in suburbs and cities my whole life. I had never planted a seed. I had never started a fire probably. I mean, I was really not connected to the humbleness of being human in that way. And so probably on a personal level, I've changed in just my day-to-day life in not uh, like you know, just things like, even like, I don't really run errands. I don't really, I don't really connect to the world in the same way that I used to, where I feel like when I first started this, my day was kind of based around shopping in some way or another. It was like going to this store, going to that store, going to the dry cleaner, you know, none of that really happens for me anymore. So I think on a personal level, I've just devoted so much to this work and to this life of being as yeah, just trying to try to 
disentangle myself as much as I can from this crazy system. But at the same time, like I'm still very much entrenched in it, you know, with the internet, with social media, um, with needing to buy things online now. I'm not, (laughs) you know, I'm definitely not as apart from it as I'd like to be, but I have a different awareness of it than I used to have. And so that informs my work in a lot of ways. And uh, and I'm still learning, you know, I'm, I'm still very much learning to slow down and not feel so, hmm, not feel so attached to modernity. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm really curious about what led you to want to leave the city. Um, was there a point where it was just, I need to start connecting deeper, my lifestyle needs to shift, or was there something that really pushed you into making that that decision to live a life more connected with the earth where you have to learn these skills and be more self-sufficient in a way, but also just, yeah, depending on your responsibility to caring for a piece of land or caring for what's around you in a deeper, more interconnected way? Um, gosh. Well, I'd say what, what I didn't actually want to leave the city when I left the city. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I loved the city. I, I loved living in New York City. It was so nourishing in a lot of ways now there was part of me that was definitely unfulfilled I think there was a spiritual definitely ecological side of me that felt very lonely but my another side of me I I just I loved all the human creativity and I really loved the fast-paced lifestyle at that time and I loved getting dressed up and painting the town red with my friends and um, going to theater, uh, I had a lot of friends in the theater world out there, and I was a performance artist when I was younger, and so it really fed that artistic side of me, and I would just walk around the city for hours. I had my, my dog, Mushi Bear, who lives, who's, still, who's, who's still with me. I'm looking at her right now, mm-hmm. um, and we would just explore, and I love the trees of New York City. I loved the big tulip poplars and the maples and all those gorgeous deciduous trees. I I had such a beautiful relationship with them and I love seeing the the color changes and going to the parks and so I was in a lot of ways pretty happy there. And I wasn't that fulfilled in school, I'd say that much like I'd kind of go to class and feel like what am I really learning? It didn't feel like it was touching what I was trying to touch. And so that kind of felt a little wonky, but um, the other aspects of life were pretty sweet. And then Occupy Wall Street happened and that just completely shifted things because Occupy spoke to those unfulfilled sides of me, that spiritual side, that rebellious side, that revolutionary side. And I met my partner March there and he was really ready to get out of the city. Um, he was living at Zuccotti Park and he was just like, let's move to the West Coast. And I thought 
when he wanted to move that we'd move to Brooklyn so we could have a bigger place. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but he was like, no, let's like move to Oregon. And I thought, oh, okay, great. We'll move to Portland and Portland's such a sweet city. And it's kind of still a city, but you can have chickens in your backyard kind of vibe. So I thought maybe that would be a good transition, but we ended up finding a little cabin in the mountains surrounded by thousands of acres of logging land. And I didn't even realize how much I was craving a relationship with the land because I never had one before. I, you know, we started a little organic farm and I remember holding basil seeds in my hand for the first time and lettuce seeds because we had a, we were growing a bunch of basil and different lettuces and tomatoes and all sorts of stuff. But I remember holding these seeds and feeling uncomfortable, but excited and thinking, oh, is this the right way to put the seed in the pot? Like, or, oh gosh, these seeds are so small. Like, how do I even separate them? And, and just feeling so meticulous about everything and, and, and the nervousness of not really knowing how to relate to the land. And then I found out about herbalism, which was again, something that was so new to me at the time. And this other part of me that was dormant was just being fed and awakened and enlivened. And I realized, oh my gosh, like being with the earth and collecting food from the forest and medicine and working with my hands and working with the earth and getting wet in the rain and and all of these things were actually so life-affirming for me. And they connected me to spirit in a way that I had never felt before. And so, um, yeah, it just really amazed me. And then I just never could go back after that. I I didn't, I never had a desire to go back to the city because I had found my forest family and I had found a community with the plants and the trees. And I had found a way to work for them that just was so clear that that was the way for me. And that's what I needed to stick with and commit to. And here I am still doing it, you know, however, what is this? Oh gosh, seven years later now is when I left the city and I never went back. And, um, and I don't think that just because this path fulfilled me, that isn't I don't actually think that this is the path for everybody. And I think there's so much beauty in the diversity of paths, like, I think there are some folks who still thrive in cities and I'm so grateful for that because I think that there's so much organizing that can happen in a city quickly and directly and potently. Like when I was doing the Occupy Wall Street organizing, it was so easy to have a hundred people to show up to a meeting, like within minutes, there's so many people just willing to really be there. We're doing that in the country is like a whole other (laughs) like it doesn't happen like that for me out here and so there's so much beauty in human community and human organizing for what we believe in and I think that there's just so much to be done in a city and there's still so much beauty and creativity to be harnessed and so um, I definitely don't think it's that everybody needs to move to the country in order to have a deep fulfilling life of service but for whatever reason, this life chose me and I said, yes. I really appreciate you giving that perspective as well with just the beauty that can happen in a city and 
the way that there's so many opportunities and connection and just noticing the changes just by going for a walk and noticing the leaves change and how people come together so quickly and the art scene and all of it. I feel very resonant with your story and have also had my journey in, in shifting from living in a city and just appreciating everything and still having access to going back and connecting with my community there and being a part of something, but also having this knowing in my heart of the connection of the life that I've cultivated to this point. And again, feeling, yeah, like I was chosen to be in this space. Like it all synchronistically kind of just evolved. And I think the beauty of just expressing that for people too. And as long as you're, you know, kind of hearing that call and and you're paying attention and you're aware life has a way of kind of unfolding new directions for you and new opportunities and whether it's in the country very connected to the earth or finding those bits of nature in New York City I think it's attainable for everyone to kind of find their place of belonging and place can really inform kind of who we are and the work that we do and it it's all needed so I really do appreciate that um, I'm curious about if you have any words for someone who's maybe feeling like there are parts of themselves that are unexpressed or um, unfulfilled. And if there's kind of any words or any insights that are coming to mind about what they might do to kind of feel into those parts of themselves. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that feeling into different parts of ourselves takes time and patience and tenderness. And I think that if we are too distracted by the day-to-day habitual nonsense of this capitalist system, it really is yeah, it's, it's really hard for us to be able to slow down enough to feel into ourselves and feel into what we need to be effective and healthy earth stewards or, you know, whatever we're trying to be in service to, which I think ultimately we should all be trying to be in service to earth in whatever way we are feeling called to do that. And yeah, it's like, we know it takes time to build relationships with other people and it takes time to build a relationship with ourselves. And so, yeah, I would imagine what I would tell people, which is really what I tell myself is it's okay to not finish that last email, get into a bath and just leave your phone behind and sit and listen and be with the discomfort or be with the comfort, whatever comes up, just be with that and let your mind wander, let your heart wander, not to judge yourself or pathologize yourself. Like I, I do that a lot where I'll just let myself go. And instead of being like, see, you're, you, you're like this because of this. And that means that like, I really try to stay away from that kind of stuff and be like, oh, okay. I'm feeling that, that thing. 
and I'm feeling that thing and I'm not trying to make myself, I'm not trying to like, yeah, judge myself or categorize myself because I have certain feelings. And so I think it's important that we really understand how we're processing information and give ourselves space to do so and give ourselves space to feel that creativity arise when, when we do give ourselves space. And it's so exciting too, to be able to be in that creative flow with ourselves and be able to imagine what is it that we want to do in this life and how do we want to show up and what is it that we're most passionate about and what are ways that we can get involved and what are ways that we can love deeper and and be more grateful. I think that's something like a practice that I've really been working with lately is just wanting to remind myself how much there is to be grateful for. Cause I definitely can get wrapped up in the day to day and all of the work and just feeling exhausted or feeling overwhelmed by all of the terrible news that many of us hear every day And so as much as I want to sit with the reality of this time and be really present with how terrible things truly are for so many humans and more than humans alike, but also how can I come from a place, that deep well of gratitude that I can say, yeah, there's so much stuff happening out there, some of which I have control over, many, much of which I don't, my individual decisions do really matter as much as I'm told that they're not. And I'm grateful that I do get to make decisions that make a difference. And I'm grateful that I'm waking up and I'm grateful that I had breakfast and just like the little simple things in life that I think are really easy for us to kind of skim over because of the fast pacedness or just the overwhelm of all that is happening. But when I simplify things and I really just allow myself to breathe and be grateful and just also say, you know, I may not get everything done today and that's okay too, but I'm going to give myself the space and allow myself to be in a creative place that I can really dream into the world that I want to live in and dream into the person that I want to be. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Are there any projects right now or dreams that you are part of that you're really excited about or things that are on your heart, um, seeds of ideas, anything you want to share around the work that you're offering the world or just what you're most excited about sharing? We started a new mini series called Deeply Rooted, and I'm really excited about that. It's been so fun to create these mini episodes with friends and speak to the spiritual dimension of this time we're living in and really get out of the intellect and into the body and into the spirit. It's so, there's so much joy in that. And I loved the first episode with Bronte Velez. They had written a a rap called Black Mary Olivering, and it was so good. (laughs) I've listened so many times, but I was laying under the full moon a couple nights ago, just listening and laughing and crying and feeling so grateful for the people in my life and for 
the magic that comes out of folks when they're in service and devotion to this earth. So I love this new series and I'm really excited for our next episode that's coming out on Monday with Mila Prince. She's a Finnish witch and she's fantastic and she's going to do a storytelling, um, a little storytelling session. So that's been really fun. Um, and the other project that I feel really excited by, I mean, I, I'm excited by all of it, the regular podcast, the restoration projects with the nursery those are all so enlivening but I also feel very excited to get into strategizing to protect the Copper River Delta and work to fundraise to purchase these coal rights uh, coal patents on these incredible mountains that they want to do mountaintop removal and coal mining on that would just destroy this delta that is so unbelievably wild and rugged and beautiful and so I get to work with June who's one of my mentors I mentioned earlier and the Act Preservation Council which is a complete honor and we're going to get really creative around the narrative around conservation and um, yeah what it means to be an ally and what these wild places mean not just on an ecological level but on a spiritual level and culturally as well and and so I'm I'm really excited about that too Mm. sounds like a wonderful both wonderful opportunities it's great to see just the diversity of projects that you're bringing to light and helping people to engage in to really see these connections I really appreciate Mm -hmm. when yeah just the the way that we can you know, really work with the scientific level of understanding landform and understanding ecology and understanding what it takes to protect a piece of land or a watershed or just learning more about that and then weaving that in with the story and the spiritual connections of place and people who can really speak to that. And I think it's a really great way for many folks to understand, you know, how they can be a part of that as well and how they can come together. Because I think the stories and the spirituality piece makes it so that we can understand better how to connect ourselves and, and weave this language of, you know, we all know what it feels like to be connected to something in a spiritual way, you know, whatever where wherever we're coming from you know that feeling of belonging that feeling of connection tapping into something that can really lead people to make greater changes in their lives and I just really appreciate um that perspective and seeing all the work you're doing and and with that too you know how do you pick the projects that you do like how did the One Million Redwoods project come to be? How do you work with these specific lands in Alaska? Like, are, is it the people you're connecting with or the spaces that you visited or how, how are these places significant for you? Well, I feel like these places choose me as much as I choose them. And like, I put the prayer out to be a servant for the earth and then the projects come to me and I just say yes. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. 
I feel like I'm not completely in control of of these connections, but I'm really devoted to temperate rainforests, which I had mentioned earlier. So my main area of focus land-wise is from the redwoods of Northern California up to the Copper River Delta in Alaska. And so, you know, any projects, land projects that happen in that area, I feel very called to the Spire region. So I'm always open to how I can support and protect not only the wild places that have been undisturbed, like the Copper River Delta, and that's obviously extremely high priority because there still are wild salmon runs and moose and bear and eagle and glacier. And there's so much life that is still living there and has not been completely devastated like in so many other places. So that feels really important. But also, I'm also, you know, really interested in working with damaged landscapes and being with places that have been raped and pillaged and bearing witness to these devastated areas and being there for them in their slow recovery and healing their wounds with them. So yeah, I'd say the temperate rainforest is so important to me. And, um, but otherwise, yeah, I, you know, projects, media projects and the podcast, I feel like it's a combination of me being chosen and curiosities and being open and just receiving the messages that I'm getting, um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a journey and I know it will continue to be a lifelong relationship with the work. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to frame it to just being open again. I think that's a great theme to take away from all that we've been speaking to is just this, this paying attention, this awareness, the slowing down. There's so much possibility in those edges and those areas and I'm just feeling really grateful that there are people out there who are related in this way and we're all connected in and dropping in when the chaos is so strong and so intense in so many other areas and we're still able to look to nature and look to our own inner guidance to propel us forward in whatever way wants to happen, whatever way wants to live through us. And I think it's incredible to think of uh, avenues such as, you know, protecting, protecting the earth and listening to the areas, the parts of the earth that want to be seen through you that are calling to you. I have a special connection to the maple tree and the willow here in Wisconsin and just finding myself surrounded by them on the land I'm on right now and just finding that beautiful kind of awareness into how this path has unfolded and and just yeah noticing just observing how it all comes together I was wondering if you could speak more to the times we're in right now and just what's on your heart and how you've been personally navigating, if you are open to sharing that. 
Oh yeah. Um, what's on my heart? <sighs> well, I'm hoping that we never go back to normal and I'm scared that we will. I'm scared that after coronavirus we'll go back to flying and consuming and just being, um, especially, and I, when I'm saying we, I, I, I'm talking about the folks who have access to do things like that. Um, to the folks who have access to using a lot of resources. I, I'm scared to imagine that we'll just go back and, and not heed the warning of climate change and the earth. And what I'm praying for is that the collective of those folks who are awake to what's happening really organize right now and realize we can do rent strikes and we can organize for prison abolition and we can take this time and really be intelligent and be connected with each other to make things happen that we haven't been able to make happen in the past for so many reasons. I think, you know, with this type of fear, panic, chaos, the government kind of being rattled is a perfect time for us to really stand up and make demands and just say, no, we're not going to be paying rent or no, you know, we're not going to be paying these medical bills. And if enough of us did that, what could they do about it? You know, I think we could really create revolutionary changes if we organized. And I think that in some ways, the coronavirus has paused many of us. And we should take that pause and consider what what is happening to the earth. Consider how we can change that. Like th this can be a time of such massive, creative, revolutionary acts. And I'm just praying that that happens. And I would be completely heartbroken, like I said, if we went back to normal and we just kept consuming at such a high rate and we didn't really realize that what we need to do is slow down and we need to find ways to take care of folks in the slowing down, because some of us are okay slowing down and other folks aren't and they can't pay their bills and they can't um, afford to take care of their families. So how can we, for those of us who can slow down, slow down and also to take care of each other so that everybody can slow down and everybody can have a greater quality of life. Mm. Um, and, you know, it seems a bit, uh, maybe to some like, oh, that could never happen. But, you know, probably at some point we thought as humans, we could never fly in the sky and we figured out how to do that. So I'm like, if we figured out how to do the, all these other things, like why can't we figure out how to help people and help like live in a way that isn't killing everything? Like, I, I think there are ways, I think it's just part of the brainwashing to believe that we can't. Um, so I'm really just sitting with it and wanting to take this weekend coming up to slow down and dream and rest and sleep and think and eat and really be with what is and, and figure out how I can be a good ally and be with the collective struggles and, and work through it with everyone. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree a lot with what you're saying. And I'm also holding that prayer and that vision that we are resilient and we are, you know, if we pay attention to how we can take care of each other too and and recognizing, you know, we're all weathering the same storm but we're not in the same boat right (laughs) there's Hmm. very different um different ways that we are all experiencing Hmm. hardship right now and really asking each other you know what can I do for you right now or even just yeah there's there's a lot of relationship tending that has to happen I think too to understand mm-hmm. um, how we can be of service. And I think for people who've been, you know, practicing this in the various ways that they do are going to be the people that we look to in these times to kind of guide us through how to show up for each other and what that looks like and get creative and get really resourceful and learn skills again and recall what we've always known but have forgotten and I mean it's a it's a very complex emotional thing for me (laughs) as well um seeing seeing so many people buying seeds and um like I've had a seed order that hasn't been shipped for many weeks because they're so busy you know it's amazing um but also just it's interesting how you know and and I'm in I've been working in the realms of of permaculture and you know helping folks with kind of educational approaches to gardening and kind of getting started and it's just interesting to see everyone wants to you know in my community in my network they're like oh help me start a garden and like, oh, I've been doing this for so long. And now, you know, it's, it's interesting with the way that we shift in these times of intensity. And mm. yeah, I'm curious mm. if you've had any experiences like that or just thoughts that have come up around how we are responding. Mm. My goodness. Well, yeah, I think we're there's so many people responding in such different ways. Um, so I don't have a good general sense of it necessarily, but I I think that we should be starting gardens and we should be making medicine and we should be protecting ourselves and our communities right now. And so I think for the folks who are able to rest and able to slow down and able to give back and able to support the people around them who have less or who are not in the same, um, who don't have, you know, the, the same strength of immunity. It's, it is really important that we take care of each other. Cause I think what Corona is showing us is that um, if, if we if all of us like, for us to be healthy, we all have to be healthy. For us individually to be safe, we all have to be safe. The collective liberation is real. 
And so I think that's something where climate change wasn't really able to show us that, even though it's definitely true still, like collective liberation climate change is really connected. But for some reason, I think people thought they could run away from climate change or, you know, for those who had the privilege that if something happened somewhere, they could, they could leave, or if an oil spill happened, they could leave. Mm. But with Corona, you really can't run away from it. And even though um, marginalized communities are being disproportionately affected, there still are people like the prime minister of England who are in critical care. So I think that's really interesting for folks who maybe have had a lot of privileges to think that they're separate and think that they can get away with certain things. And now realizing like, oh, actually Medicare for all is really important um, because, you know, if my neighbor or my community outside of my community gets sick, like I will probably get sick too. And I think that's a huge lesson for us to learn about supporting each other um, and feeling like we are really that connected. But yeah, I, I think becoming, and I don't want to say self-sufficient, I want to say community sufficient is really important for us to realize the government most likely will not be there for us. Like not everybody's going to get government aid. We're not, nobody else is going to come in and fix things for us. And I think this is a moment, not only for us to organize, like I was mentioning earlier, but for us to organize not, you know, and I mean, not just for like resource extraction projects and rent freezes, but also organize for community resilience, which is very connected to that. But, you know, if, if we really considered in our communities, like what if there was no other big brother who was going to come in to help us? Do we have what we need? And if we don't have what we need, then how do we create task force amongst ourselves? And how do we become communities that can weather the storm together through whatever comes at us because Corona is just one piece of the pie. Like there will be potentially other pandemics. There definitely will be other issues with climate change coming for us and water scarcity and all that stuff. So I think this is a time for us to get clear, to get organized, to create systems within our communities that help us weather what's to come next. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well and what you were speaking to about yeah just not relying on essentially being saved right (laughs) like we have to be we have to respond and it has to happen with you know relationship in mind and I think this is a really beautiful opportunity to you know if you haven't connected with your neighbors or people in your community to do so and I guess in the ways that you can (laughs) if you're not able to be you know in very close proximity at the moment but just in the ways that we can begin to start these relationships and and recognize what we all have to bring to the table because everyone has some kind of skill or talent or gift or some resource they can share and you know, uncover what that is. And yeah. I, you know, I think that's the other beautiful thing about it is, is there's really, you know, it, there's ways to uncover like what there is that you have within you and okay, how, you mm-hmm. know, step one and step two, let's 
figure out how to share this now and and how can I show up for other people Mm -hmm. and be of service and Mm -hmm. how is that service in relationship to caring for the earth and the planet that we live on because that's obviously important if we want to you know still have one (laughs) so uh it's just yeah I think the opportunity is is really really strong really in our face right now to begin making Mm -hmm. relationships known and stepping into our gifts and stepping into what we really want to offer the world because there's really no you know really no more time left (laughs) to keep kind of happening doing it <laughs> um yeah and yeah it'll be interesting to see again we don't know right <laughs> we we can only do our best and and have control yeah. of what we do and yeah it's I, yeah I've really loved seeing what people are saying about it through all of this there's been a lot of voices kind of thrown into the void that I've gained a lot of insight and inspiration from and it's propelling me in a new direction as well and I think that this initiation is happening for a reason right now at the time that it is Um, so yeah I would love to hear if um, there's anything else that you would like to share with listeners at this point? Anything else in relationship to what we talked about? Well, um, yeah, thank you for that question. I would just say to give yourself the space to get into that creative dream space and listen to the earth and put your feet on the ground and really whether whether you're looking for what is your path or if you're on your path already just keep dreaming into what creative ways we can show up for the earth right now and into the future and what do we need to be resourced with to be the best tenders and allies that we can be and really keep reavowing your commitment every day to being in integrity with this life and that's definitely what I'm working for and yeah I'm just excited to keep growing with the other folks in this movement and see what we'll be able to do together um yeah I feel like there's a lot to come a lot of beauty to come Mm -hmm. Thank you. And how can people connect with you or get involved with any of the projects that you have going on? Are there ways to do so? Yeah. So you can uh, go to our website at forthewild.world and you can sign up for our newsletter there. You can email us at connect at forthewild.world. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or other podcast apps. You can support us on our website or through Patreon. And yeah, just, oh, and there's also social media, of course. We're most active on Instagram. You can find us there and let us just keep connected. 
Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I really, really loved this opportunity to get to talk with you. And I hope that we can stay connected moving forward. And yeah, me too. Yeah, thanks, Ayana. Yeah.